Good morning. Hope you're doing okay. Everyone doing well? Some of you are lying, but that's okay. Uh, although doing that in church is not the best, but it is so good to be here. Also, welcome to all of you who are joining us online. And we want to invite you also, if you're able to come and be part of us. You know, life is very real, is it not? I was thinking about that when we just sang that song. How would that have sounded if we had stood in Kiev on Lviv? I'll sing louder and louder in the middle of the storm. Up from the ashes rise hope. It's amazing how a song in different contexts sounds so radically different, right? Uh, and so let us not forget to pray for those who are, are able to sing like that, even in the midst of that, are finding that kind of hope. Praise to the king louder and louder beyond all the things that are going on around us. I just want to remind us uh, how blessed we are also to be in that. And, and as we're praying for, for friends and fellow believers and those in, in extraordinary difficult situations in, uh, in uh, Ukraine and, and the surrounding areas around it with the enormous influx of, of uh, refugees, also uh, right here, just west of us, right? Um, wildfires everywhere. Some of you watched the news and you saw how churches get involved. It, it seems to center in on, on Eastland. Uh, and they had several pictures also from churches there. I got uh, dear friends who are pastoring. I got students who are pastoring right there. First Baptist also. Let's not forget to pray for them, right? Even there, uh, some are having to, to, to sing up from the ashes rises hope, right? And so, um, let's just say a word of prayer, uh, uh, and then, then we'll go into, to opening God's word and, and uh, looking at that. Father, we are we're here as your people. Uh, we, we want to express to you the hope that can come only from this convi- conviction that as we praise you, power flows from your throne. Even extraordinary peace that we can't understand and power that we can't fathom to come through things still with praise on our lips. So we ask that you will stay the hand of those who are out to do evil toward others. Those who are following commands that are unconscionable. Will you bring strength? Also open minds and hearts so they can hear the voice of God. And those of us who are in, in safe places, allow us not to be calloused. Fill our hearts with hope. Fill our hearts with softness and eagerness to pray, love, and care for those in thy straits. And for those who are so close to us, just a a few hours west. Father, even there, would you do what only you can to, to raise up the kind of strength that is necessary to go through devastating fires. We recognize that life is fragile and we need you. Life is very real and we cannot just play it as if it was a game. Be with us, Father, even as we're here, as your people, 
with your name on our lips, wanting to express to all around us that we are followers of the Son of the Almighty God, the one whose name is Jesus Christ. Amen. We're in the middle of this series uh, of of sermon called For Life, and and today I want to talk to you about uh, insight for life. And insight is just kind of a strange word, right? It it means the ability to apprehend uh, things as they truly are, to see things and penetrate all the veneer around stuff to recognize what is really going on. Uh, So there's something powerful about that. And it is strong enough that if I ask you who you are, or if you were to explain to someone uh, who you are, you would have to involve that and at least recognize that, that uh, who you are is expressed through your abilities, through your gifting, through your understanding, through your uh, speech for that matter, uh, and, and through the insight that you have. This is kind of how it, it works, and, and, and human life is uh, always this kind of balancing act between gaining new understanding and, and pursuing new insight, and then the application of that unto real life, the use of it. It's no good just to gain it if you're not using it, right? And that's true always. I mean, in all aspects of life, that is true uh, at our workplace. We, we have to find balance between learning the new and, and gaining insight into how things really work and, and then applying that for the betterment of that. That's true in our families. That's true about life in general. And it's certainly true about our relationship with the Lord and our desire to share the insight and the understanding that we have gained from our time spent uh, with him. So I'm going to say a whole lot today, and the sermon is going to be rather packed. I, I would encourage some of you to take note. Maybe some of you would want to hear it again and see, I need to kind of hear some of these things today. But let me just begin by, by simply saying here that all thoughtful and passionate people always struggle with this kind of balance. How do we find the balance between finding the time and the desire to reflect on life and gain new understanding and new insight and then applying that in a way where it brings life to other people? Life even to ourselves, but, but life to our surrounding. That is insight for the sake of life. Life giving insight. True insight. If it is that, it brings fresh life. That's kind of how it works. And so I'd like to, to, uh, look at, at a person in scripture called Luke today. If you have your Bibles, uh, open them please to, uh, the Gospel of Luke. We'll read a little bit from there, a little bit from, from, uh, the book of Acts and a little bit from a couple of other places. But just if you open to, to the Gospel of Luke, here's a person who stands as an example in the early church, probably more than anyone, as someone who has found that true balance. 
between gaining and obtaining new insight and, and having a lot of it, seeing things as they really are, and then applying that to the life of the church and to people of faith. We, we know him best, really, um, through what he has written and the emphases that he has in the gospel and in the, in the uh, Acts of the Apostle. And, and we recognize that he is considered uh, a highly beloved co-worker in the early church. He's a physician. We know that. And if, if there's anything that is extraordinarily interesting here, maybe with Luke, that no one in Scripture, in the New Testament certainly, has written more than Luke. Even the 13 letters of Paul does not have as much text as the two-volume work of Luke. The Gospel and the Acts of the Apostle. And if nothing else kind of generates an interest in your heart for this person, that should by itself. There was just something about the insight, the depth of thought and thinking, something about the way he saw life's purpose as, as clear as he saw it, that makes him special. Something that allowed him to be extraordinarily useful for God's kingdom. Uh, and I want us to kind of consider that. This morning, if that's okay. Uh, Luke's gospel, I'll read the first four verses of chapter 1 and then go to Acts and read the first three verses there. Luke writes, and he says, Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us. Just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us, It also seemed good to me, since I have carefully investigated or researched everything from the very first, to write to you an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus, so that you may know with certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. And then we go to Acts. He opens his second volume by saying, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up after that he had given instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And then it goes on uh, in, in, uh, in Colossians, and we see a reference to him uh, there in, in Colossians chapter 4 as the beloved physician, uh, as a co-worker, and we see him referenced also in, in the very last letter we have from Paul's hand as being the only one with Paul. But look at this uh, for a moment. Luke's purpose is to give a unified and a unifying account of the message that had turned the world upside down. So he writes to this this kind of official uh, in, in the Roman Empire. And while 
While the Gospel of Matthew may require, uh, you know, some insight, at least in, in, the, in the Jewish uh, history and, and the Jewish Bible, what we call the Old Testament, Luke's Gospel is immediately understandable by just about anyone that just reads. While, while the Gospel of, of Mark moves quickly from event to event, jam-packed with action, almost like just like a bullet point list, if you will, Luke gives us a kind of a flowing narrative of the greater lines of God's plan of salvation. I don't know how much you thought about this. But had it not been for the second volume of Luke, what we call the Acts of the Apostles, uh, we would not necessarily have seen the direct connection between the man, Jesus Christ, who walked the dusty roads uh, of Galilee and the spread of the global church everywhere outside of that. It is to Luke's credit that it is impossible for anyone who reads Scripture to, to not see that the very purpose of the church is to continue the work and the ministry of Jesus Christ on earth. And if you have any doubt what it means to be a Christian church, just read the book of Acts, yes? And if you have any kind of uh, question about some of the difficulty of things in the book of Acts, how do I understand that? Just read the Gospel of Luke. There's a clear connection here, and we see it so powerfully presented. So, um, I hope I'm not packing too much in here, but, but I want you to see uh, just a, 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 a portrait and image of this incredible person and what we can learn of someone who truly had insight, not only for his own life, but life-giving insight for so many. So who is he? Well, he's mentioned only three times in the New Testament. Paul calls him the dearly beloved uh, doctor or physician, as we that we just said, and he's clearly a, a beloved co-worker. And and so one of the last uh, evenings that they they were alive, they had together before the the execution of Paul. They sit down and 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 Paul is writing a letter to his friend Timothy. There's only two in the room, as we are being told. I had no one here but Luke. You can look it up in chapter 4 of the second letter to Timothy, verse 11. Only Luke is here. So one is dictating, that is Paul, and one is writing down what he says. That would be Luke. Here we have a picture. Let me see if I can paint it for you. Two friends who are sitting there and they are saying how do we make sure that this does not end with us two friends filled with love for the very world that they were set to serve in two friends filled with ambition for what God can do through them if they would just be fully committed 
filled with the experience from a tumultuous life in the ministry of the gospel. Filled with insight in God's word from, from just ongoing conversation, unceasing prayers, and from faithful studies of God's word. Side by side, friends. Are you, are you fine? Are you feeling this? Are you seeing the picture being painted? Please don't hear this as just word. See if you can get there in your mind's eye, right? And side by side, these had, had fought together, uh, if you will. And from city to city, both of them had given up lucrative careers. Both of them were, were, very well, highly educated and, and looked to for knowledge of so many things. None, none has had greater impact than those two for how we understand today even through the generations how, what God did through Christ. But we want to know that. We go to Paul, we go to, we go to Luke, and we see that being poured out. And here they are, those two, just a few days before one of them would be executed. And so, this is what we hear Paul quote or dictate and Luke write down. He said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure is close. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. And then a little bit later, he says, at my first defense, no one stood by me, but everyone deserted me, may it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that I might fully preach the word And so that what? All the Gentiles might hear it. Talking about focus and insight. One can only imagine what these two were talking about and praying about. What they shared in their prayers these last times when they were, these last hours when they were Writing encouraging remarks to friends and churches. For the last, until the last moment, they tried to share the insight that had become theirs, that they've gained from their studies and from their life with God. Insight for life. Life-giving insight. Notice here their worry is not for themselves and for their own fate and destiny. Their worry and their concern is for those who now have to be strong enough to live in the midst of all this without the encouragement from these two. Let me ask you a question. What do you do to deepen your insight, your impact for the kingdom of God? 
It's the real question. We just recognize the reality of life. We're not playing games. Another way of asking the same question, maybe looking from a different angle through the prism and just say, what do you talk about when you get with friends and recognize someone else need your encouragement? I had the weirdest conversation at one time with a with a friend of mine, actually a member of the church, different church, long time ago, different place. He was a deacon, actually, and, and we, we were just talking about this, that, and all things, including, you know, uh, the future of, of the church, the future of mission, and all of that, talk about young people and their involvement. His son was was very alert to the gospel and, and really eager to kind of to be a strong follower of Christ from conversations. I knew that, that, uh, that he was kind of struggling with whether he should surrender his life to ministry. And, and so I just brought that up in the conversation. And what he said just about floored me. He said, I hope it won't happen. My son is very bright. Very intelligent, very gifted. He has enormous opportunities in this world. I hope he's not going to waste it all just to be a minister. I thought my ears were falling off, friends. I mean, I couldn't even stop my mouth from jabbing, right? It was just came straight out of me. What do you think? You think God should be satisfied if you gave him like half of his gifts? Or a third, would that be sufficient? What in the world? And then you start thinking, here with Luke, you have an example of someone who was in the front of the line, friends, when, when brain power was, was distributed, when abilities and energy and excitement and passion and, and insight was given out. He was in the front of the line. Sometimes, though, it has stopped me because I, that, this is, you know, years ago when I heard that, right? Do we sometimes feel that God ought to be satisfied if you get the leftovers? I'm going to do what I want for me and then God can get the rest. Are we sometimes thinking that God ought to be satisfied with that? What about our abilities, our gifting, our passion? What, what about the knowledge we've gained even through our education and through our works? What about this insight that comes from living life and learning life. Question is, if we, like Luke, are allowing God to get it all, the best. There's a powerful, powerful story in uh, the second letter to uh, the Corinthian church where Paul is mentioning also a person. We don't really know who uh, who that is, but it might be that it is Luke. At least all of church tradition has it as Luke. So Paul had done this huge, massive collection of money internationally. So 
And, and uh, because the church in Jerusalem uh, was, uh, was hit by famine and things were difficult. And, and so Titus was sent up to the Corinthian church to bring the money back and to make sure there was no one that could accuse anything, anyone of improprieties related to money. Uh, he, he sent also this brother up there. And so uh, this brother that church tradition holds to be Luke, here's what he says. We have sent with Titus also the brother who is praised among all the churches for his gospel ministry. And not only that, but he was also appointed by the churches to accompany us with this gracious gift. Imagine this. The one who is praised for his work, for the gospel. Can we read this and not think, where does my praise come from? If, if, if my life was to be summarized in one sentence, what is this person? Well, his praise comes from his words, from, from his work for the gospel. Of all the things that this brother could have been, been uh, praised for, been known for, his mark of recognition, if you will, is the work or the ministry for the gospel. Are we getting this? What, what, what could be greater? Than that. Can you think of one thing? If you're sitting at home also, could you think of one thing greater than that? Just think of it for a moment. No name needs to be mentioned. No specific explanation of background or references where people could check him out and all that. You know, he's coming. You can check him here that he's okay. No. Here's one where it's enough to simply say he's the one who is praised by all the churches for his work or ministry in the gospel. I don't know about you, but does that not burn in your heart, even if you're in a lazy boy right now, sitting someplace and, and looking in your jamas and, and listening in, does this not burn in your heart? May that be said also of me. You know, there's a lot of people about whom it can be said, well, they kind of ran tired or they went their own way or, or like demons, right? He left me for the love of this world. Only you know what you desire to have as a headline of your life. But doesn't it burn in your heart when you read here, we have sent with him the brother who is praised among all the churches for his ministry to the gospel. There's so much to say here. Our time is running out, but I want us to spend just a couple of, of moments here at the conclusion uh, just to see if we can get to the heart 
who is Luke? Beyond his extraordinary ability to write, some of the greatest pearls of the history of literature is found right there. Beyond the facts and the information that he gives us, beyond the storyline and, and all of that, what is it that makes him tick? What, what, what is it that beats in his heart, if you will? Well, let me point to some of the things that are in the Gospel of Luke. It sits that as part among the other Gospels. Again, and again, it is Luke that shows us how the Gospel comes to all kinds of people. It is in Luke that we hear about the angels singing to the poor shepherds on the field. It is with Luke that we discover that, that all the folks who are living deep anticipation through the Christ, people like, like Anna and Simeon, that they get to see the Savior uh, before they die. It, it is in Luke that, that we hear those who are considered outcasts suddenly can find when they read the story of the Good Samaritan that God uses them even if other people consider them them outcast. It is in Luke that we find comfort to people who are living on the street and eating from the gutter, so to speak, when we read the story about Lazarus and the, and the rich man. We, we, it is in Luke that we find this complete emphasis on, on, on forgiveness. It's just bathed in that. In Luke, you find the story of the prodigal son, friends, right? That's where you see that, uh, right there. Someone who squanders every opportunity he had in life, even belittling his own family in the process. And yet, when he truly repent of his sin and come back to beg for forgiveness, he finds the reception from a loving Father, it is it is in in Luke that that we find uh, the story of of the tax collector and the righteous Pharisee praying in the temple, and we are told that it is the tax collector that walks home having been made righteous because of his heart and unrelated to his past. It is in Luke that we hear the story of of the thief on the cross. And we learn from that, that that there's no moment too late and there's no one too far out to hear, come on home with me when they confess Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Luke has a special emphasis also of the important role that, that women played both in Jesus' life and in the life of the early church. But I want you to notice, this is the heart that was beating in the chest of this person who wanted to make sure he could share insight that was life-giving. Are we seeing this? Are we hearing this, friends? Wrapping our minds around this? I hope we are. Here's a heart that had discovered that even the least significant of this world has endless value in the eyes of God. Here's the one who, although he was a physician, realized that there could only be true and full and complete healing for someone when they came into contact 
with the great physician, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but when we are presented with a person who clearly has greater understanding and insight, ability to truly understand what is really going on, than those that are most common. When you meet people like that, do you not want to know, how does that become mine? How do I gain that kind of insight? The answer is learn from Luke. Look at him. Pay attention to some of the things that we have paid attention to. Don't, don't sell out to this lack of balance. Recognize that his constant desire to, to grow deep in his insight and that is balanced out completely with his singular focus on bringing that as a gift of life also to others. If you think this may not be as important as we're trying to make it, Click the news channels. Open your door, walk down your street. Father, would you speak to us with power as only your Holy Spirit can? Father, many of us, when we stand up in a moment and, and sing, need to also pray. And ask you to come in and do a real, genuine work. That we want to find in our heart the desire to have insight for life. Life-giving insight to share. Well, there may be some that needs to, hopefully, Manny, come to kneel and pray. Say, Lord, here am I. I'm not used to all that I have for you. I want to. Lord, I ask you to look at this church, these people, this place, this incredible corner for your church to meet right here and for the enormous result that that could have. Allow the heart that was in those two friends become the heart that is in each of us and in all of us together. Well, we have no interest in just playing life as if superficial stuff was sufficient. We recognize the depth and reality of what's going on and our need to share that life. Here is our Holy Spirit as we ask for you to come. Move through each heart right here and in every room where someone is listening right now. We pray that in your name. Amen. Let's stand, friends. And as I already mentioned, some of you may need to just come and say, Hey, I need to meet the Lord you're talking about. Others may say, I, I actually need to come pray. And others need to come pray for someone else. I know time is, is, um, is going, but what could be more important than this, right? We don't want to make display of that. We also don't want to make display of the opposite.
Use this time.